Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, good morning, everybody. What a beautiful sunny day looking out of the window of my studio in Fort Collins. Uh, a lot of you are going to start celebrating 4th of July this weekend, or <clears throat> excuse me, many probably already have. I just want to wish everybody a happy holiday. Let's make it a safe one. Best way to do that is use some common sense and be courteous to people. A lot of other people are going to be enjoying the same resources you are, so let's respect everybody and let's have a great weekend. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about safety later on in the show. We're going to talk about some things that Parks and Wildlife does that are a little different than maybe some of you think. We've got a lot of fishing reports to do. And we're going to even talk about some climbing and camping later on in the show. So we have a lot to cover. Let's go to the phones. Uh, joining us, one of our favorite contributors, Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. No, it's always great to have you on. You know, I'm not sure what the state of how busy things are going to be this weekend as far as actual anglers, but there's going to be a lot of recreational boating going on. Absolutely there is, and it's something to definitely think about when you're heading out, but the other thing about it is that during 4th of July weekend, that usually means that uh, the fish are biting, especially when it comes to warm water species. Well, it does, and you know, it also, uh, you know, people used to say, well, I'm waiting for a calm time to fish at Cherry Creek. I said, hey, the fish at Cherry Creek are like the guy that lives next to the airport. If he didn't eat when a plane went over, he'd never eat. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you, and and sometimes it even makes it so the fish bite better when you have a lot of that boat wake. It kind of creates a, almost an artificial walleye chop out there, and and even though it may be a bit uncomfortable to be fishing in those type of conditions, the, the fish are going to be biting uh, even in the peak of the day. Yeah, this is a good time to be fishing. Uh, it's going to be a lot of people on the water. Just be respectful on both sides. Hey, what is going on? Take us through some of the bites you're seeing out there. Yeah, so speaking of Cherry Creek, the bite has been really productive. Now, the one thing that has been a bit interesting is how much water has been coming in and then back out again due to the fact that the lake has been over capacity. Uh, the dam has been running at, at all the way up to 500 CFS, although it's down a bit right now. So the water level has been dropping, uh, but it's going to be getting back to a normal level, and these fish will regulate themselves a bit with that. But we have been having really good fishing. Uh, these fish are still in a situation where they were pre-shad hatch, so there are not uh, a lot of bait fish targets that are in the lake like you'd be finding here in the next couple of weeks. So these walleyes are on structure, uh, they're pretty shallow water right now, too. The majority of the fish that I'm finding are in that under 10-foot of water range. And when you really find them up on these structure points, particularly a bit later in the day, if you can get a bit of a wind or even, like I mentioned, the boat wake that'll concentrate them on some of the mud lines and on these points, you can catch fish after fish after fish right now. And uh, the, the jig and a crawler, real standard walleye presentation on a stand-up jig has been quite effective. But even some blade baits and then jigging wraps also have been uh, productive as well. Folks have been doing uh, good pulling bottom bouncers and lindy rigs. However, these fish have been so concentrated on these spots that you can really do some good damage sitting on one spot and physically casting to them. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. Now, the, as the water falls, it may pull them down. Just as the water rises, it tends to push them up. And, of course, yeah. with bait fish, especially in Cherry Creek, and we'll talk about Chatfield and Pueblo, as those shad hatch and start and start schooling up, you'll see those fish. Some of them will move off and suspend. Have you found that the, you said the fish are concentrated, but have you had to move around to locate them? Because you got, because of the high water, you have more lake to fish. Definitely, and that's certainly the case at, at Chatfield right now. But uh, it's one thing that I mentioned to a lot of my customers is that you you really can't fish to what happened yesterday even. Those walleyes at Cherry Creek move around so much that I'll find them in one spot one day, and then they're completely vacated the next. So I'm utilizing my sonar and, and my GPS to work through my different humps and, and my bottom transitions to be able to find those fish on that given day. And you have to go in each day with an open mind. The fish are biting this time of year. So if you're in an area and you're not seeing a lot of fish, moving and finding that big pod a lot of times is a lot more productive than sitting in one spot and really working a spot if it's not if, it, if they're not biting. I mean, if I'm not catching a fish right now in, in the first five minutes at most, I'm, I'm up and moving because you're having opportunities to have really high numbers at both Chatfield and Cherry Creek. And uh, so the, the movement is key. And then when it comes to Chatfield, all of your main open water spots are still remaining ineffective. The roadbed, all your uh, offshore structure points on the southern end of the lake and the no wakes on, on the edges of the gravel pit, everything is too deep. So these fish are relating to the edges of those tree lines as well as the edges of the old beaches up shallow. I'm finding them uh, later in the day as you get good mud lines from, from wakeboard boats or from wind. They'll move up shallower, and they'll get right up next to those trees in that 11 to 12 foot of water. But earlier in the day, I'm finding them out a bit deeper, and the water's been pretty clear earlier in the day, and they're on the old weed lines right where the old high water mark is next to the sandy beaches. And working up, still the jig and a minnow has been very effective, but some blade baits as well, silver blades, have also been worthwhile but it's been interesting that these fish have not been heavily, heavily in the trees like you find in the northeastern plains or Kansas Lake, uh, but they've been relating to them. So the whole key is shoreline structure at Chatfield. Uh, how about the bass at Chatfield? Same thing? They are more in the trees. You can get them on Sankos right now. Uh, the evening and low-light chatterbait bite on the dam has been effective. But you can also get them on a, a bait-type situation. Uh, a leech underneath a slip bobber is a really good way to go if you just want to dabble in and around the trees. But if I was specifically targeting them, I would be working uh, a little bit more active presentation in a small chatterbait, but then a green pumpkin or black and blue four-inch Sanko rigged weedless but weightless to be able to work along the edges without getting snagged and yet letting that Sanko fall slowly. Um, you know, I, I like the fact you brought up the rigged weedless, but not with weight. I, I fish Senkos or the Berkeley General a lot like that. People love to wacky rig them, and that's an effective way to get strikes. But it's also, uh, it hangs up a lot. You really need some Definitely. open spots to do that. And with the almost, it's like Texas rigging a worm when we say that. I kind of hook the, put the point of the hook back into the top of it. I don't totally bury it. And you can just really be effective because it does sink so slowly and not hang up. And then with, as you mentioned, the, the, the Berkeley General or a true original Yamamoto Senko that has weight to it, that's the whole key to doing that. If some of these brands don't sink effectively enough, 
And when you're fishing in that deeper water, that seven or eight foot of water range, you want that Senko to fall, but you don't want to have it rocket down to the bottom with that weight. So having a little bit more premium soft plastics that sink on their own definitely is worth the extra investment. What are you hearing about Pueblo? That bite is on fire right now, too. Uh, We are still pre-shad hatch, and the fish are up shallow on those points. It's a great spot even if you want to shore fish, even more so than Chatfield or Cherry Creek. Those points are very readily accessible from shore, and the walleyes are right up next to those points. So uh, a lot of different techniques have been effective. Now, Pueblo is certainly a snaggy lake, so a lot of times I like working something like a jig and a leech or a jig and a crawler, uh, particularly a Whistler jig from Northland. They have a little propeller blade along the collar, and they fall quite slowly, and I've found that to be particularly effective at that lake. But you can also do quite well casting and retrieving swim baits along those points. I mentioned the mud lines at Chatfield, and that is definitely something I'm looking for at Pueblo as well. When that bite uh, materializes later in the day, usually you're finding those fish in a mud line, whether it be a wind-driven mud line or a boat-wake-driven mud line. And if you can find a point that has that wrapping around it, you can pitch that jig in a leech or jig in a crawler or work in a brighter-colored swim bait through it and do really well. Now, the swim bait selections that I like are uh, twofold. If I'm going more natural in presentation for a bass or sometimes in that clear water for a walleye, a uh, Kitex swing impact is a very worthwhile bet. But I have really come to like the walleye assassin swim baits. Uh, the brighter colors like the albino shad are one of my favorites, and usually I'm putting them on a quarter-ounce jig head. Now, you hearing much about the wipers at Pueblo? Here and there, there are certainly some fish in there. Um, they're definitely not in the numbers that you would normally find. You'll get, you'll hear guys that'll find one boil here or there. Or you'll pick some fish up here or there, but you're usually not going down there and finding gigantic numbers of them. Uh, the thing about those wipers is they're so nomadic that they're tough to find uh, really consistently on your points and drop-offs. You'll find them moving through, and without really high numbers of fish in that lake. In my opinion, I mean, it's it's just happening upon one. And if you wanted to target them, I would be either at low light with some binoculars once the shad come out looking for fish that are boiling and then running to them, or I would be probably pulling cranks. Uh, a nice planer board fan with some shad presentations, uh, like a, a Berkeley flicker shad or especially a Salmo hornet worked higher in the water column behind a planer board is going to cover some water and and likely come across one maybe a bit more readily than if you're just casting on shoreline. You know, another option that might be good for people who want to get away from the crowds would be John Martin. A lot of water came into John Martin. Yeah, looking at the the flows and and the overall acreage, it looks as though it's come close to even doubling in size from what we saw early in the year, and it even opened up that western boat ramp. So we have an additional ramp, and a lot of times that lake does not take near the recreational traffic like Chatfield, Cherry Creek, or Pueblo does. And looking at this weekend's weather, it's not going to be a super hot weekend. So I think it's going to really provide a great opportunity to catch a lot of fish in a lake that's a bit less pressured. Uh, we're still uh, a little bit warmer down there than you'd be finding in these other metro bodies of water. So we're likely to be starting to see some bait fish. But even in some of these lakes, I've been hearing some reports from some Kansas lakes that are that are hotter and there are some shad, but they're still small enough that the fish are not relating to them much. But it's going to provide a good opportunity still for some saw guys on some of those northern humps on that lake and those big drop-offs. 
But those uh, white bass and those wipers are pretty prolific in that lake still. So pulling some planer boards over the open water and then looking for those boils on top uh, a little bit later in the day, I think, would be very productive and a really good opportunity to head out to. Well, we've got some time left. Let's head up in the mountains. A lot of people are going to head up into the mountains, both to fish the lakes and the rivers. And a lot of them are going up camping. They're going to just take a fishing rod with. Some are going to be dedicated to fishing. What are you seeing up there? Yeah, so as far as the rivers are concerned, they're still pretty blown out at the moment. Even tailwaters are running high. Uh, Deckers is in the mid-400s right now. Last time we checked, Waterton Canyon is super high still. The one spot that does not have as high a flow is 11 Mile Canyon in the Dream Stream, but that's likely to change as we start to get spinny and 11 Mile to a full uh, water position. Uh, but the Freestones, I think, still have a couple of weeks, and you can catch fish on the edges with some brighter and flashier presentations or big uh, stoneflies and San Juan worms on a nymph rig, but it's still a time to be fishing some lakes. I uh, really am liking when you can get up there early season like this. Even some of the bigger bodies of water like Granby and Williams Fork are cold enough that you'll find some, some lake trout still shallow enough that you can get them from the shore. But the smaller lake trout bite at Granby has been really productive. And, and if you can find those fish on some of those deep water structure points and transitional edges, uh, it's a good time to catch a lot of numbers. And then another one that, that we've talked about before, but I've been hearing fantastic reports on, is up at Steamboat Lake. Uh, that lake, I think, is is an underrated fishery, and there are a lot of big rainbows, cut bows, and Snake River cuts. And you have great opportunities on the fly rod with coronamids and calabatus coming off, and then it's an awesome crawfish lake. So tube jigs along the outside edges of the weed lines, just like it's Spinney or Antero, can be incredibly effective. You know, also, I've, I heard that the kokanee at Wolford are doing well, and Green Mountain is in a resurgence. You're starting to see some kokanee and a lot of small lake trout in Green Mountain, but they're getting healthier and some big ones showing up again. So there are a lot of options. Have you heard from either of those lakes? Definitely. That Wolford bite has been productive for the kokanee. I've talked to several folks that have been finding good schools out in that deeper water and, and targeting them on downriggers and dipsy divers. Uh, little uh, small crocodiles as well as needlefish have been effective. And then even some cast masters, little silver cast masters, also were effective for the gentleman that I talked to. So that is a good spot, particularly if you're well-versed in your electronics, to be able to find where those fish are sitting and then get your bait down to them. I think you can have some really good success on some nice cokes. And, and I think it's really a, a fishery that probably is getting to be Colorado's best kokanee salmon fishery. We'll see how Blue Mesa ends up with some of this high water right now. But Wolford has remained very consistent over the years. Yeah. Last thing we'll touch on real quick, and that's one that hasn't been so productive this, this year, and that's been the Northeast Lakes. Same thing that I've been hearing. Uh, the one lake out there that might be the best probably is Pruitt right now. But in general, I think we're unfortunately in a lot of rebuild out there, and I hope that we can continue to keep some good moisture flow for the next several years. The state has stocked all those lakes once again. Now, the one interesting report that I did hear out of Jumbo was that there had been a lot of catfish being caught. It seems like those catfish did not get washed out the dam when we had that salvage, what, last year? And uh, I talked to several folks who were catching a ton of cats, but if you're going up for walleyes, likely to be a little bit slow. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to see maybe some good numbers out of North Sterling, out of the CWT tournament coming up here in a couple of weeks. But in general, uh, I think that I would be focusing my time front range lakes, 
Pueblo, and then Southeast Lakes at the moment, particularly John Mark. We are out of time, my friend. If people want to get more information or talk to you, where do they find you? I'm a discount fishing tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right. We will talk to you again soon, and we do have to get on the water together. Let's do that this late summer or early fall. All right, let's make it happen. Austin Parr, thank, thank you. you. Always, a great, always a great resource. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to be joined by Colorado Parks and Wildlife on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.